0: Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast slash membership. Currently, we have two tiers of support, $3 per month and $7 per month. So again, our Patreon page is patreon.com slash Podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Brian Lomax.
1: And I'm Josh Berger. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the concept of a beginner's mind and how you can apply this sort of a mindset and attitude to your tennis training. and this this concept has i think has um has some similarities to a number of things that we've talked about we've talked about certain concepts from the inner game of tennis and i think a number of our recent episodes actually have touched on some similar concepts when we've talked about having more of an inside out approach to your um to your training and your development when we've talked about um making learning your number one priority. Um, and then recently also talking about mistakes and how um, you know, how mistakes can be embraced and understood as really a, a necessary and critical part of the training process and development process in terms of becoming your best the best player that you can be. Um, so I was actually reading a book recently um, that had been recommended to me for a while and, and I hadn't read yet. Um, which is Zen and the Art of Archery, um, and you know if, if people are interested in ideas around Zen and learning and sort of the intersection there, um, I found it really, really, really interesting. So would definitely recommend it, Brian. I know you've you've read it as well in the past, um, and in this book, the this idea of beginner's mind kept kept coming up uh, over and over again about how um, sort of. Approaching things as a beginner, approaching things without all of our preconceived notions and feeling like we know best, going into different situations, but really trying to approach things as a beginner, um, is the the type of mentality and attitude that that's needed to really um, learn and really immerse ourselves in our, in an activity. Um, that concept of immersion was definitely definitely came up a lot in this book as well. Um, and it reminded me of a quote or a, a concept from the inner game of tennis, um, where Tim Galloway, the author, talks about a child learning how to walk. And as they're learning how to walk, it's it's not an, not a smooth, easy process, right? so the um, the baby is, you know, trying to stand up and walk and falling and maybe crawling. And then they're, you know, they're they're making what we would. Referred to as mistakes over and over again, right? They're not, they're not just, it's not like one day they wake up and they just start walking uh, seamlessly. So they're, they're, you know, they're falling, they're making mistakes. But as they do that, we're not being critical of them, saying, why aren't you walking already? We're not being judgmental. We're not being negative about the process. We're accepting, we're open to the, you know, to their mistakes, to that that entire learning process, and 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 the the baby as well, or the you know the young child isn't critical of themselves, which I think is a really important piece here. They are simply trying to learn, simply trying to get better. Um, and well, you know, I think in this episode we'll talk about how people can embrace that you know that sort of a mentality a little bit more. Um, in their tennis and also what are some of the, some of the factors that, that gets in the way of that. And I think it's, you know, probably some things that people can think about in terms of, you know, maybe results and expectations and comparisons and things of that nature. But uh, we'll, we'll dive into some of the, the roadblocks or some of the, the factors that, that make it harder to, to embrace this mentality as well.
0: Can you imagine, Josh, if the cognitive development of a young child was such that the ego got involved? They were critical that as parents, you know, we would be criticizing them along the way. I, I think we would have a world where we would all be crawling on our hands and knees, or a lot, many of us would be. Absolutely. You know, and so it's a, it is a very interesting concept. I've used that actually with uh, some college tennis teams and to say like, all right, be like a baby be open to this right you don't need to criticize yourself for these mistakes because you're you're learning and uh, a big part of it is the is that ego and that image that many of us have about being proficient or good or have established a record of success and i need to be able to defend that i can't look bad or i can't make mistakes i have to be perfect there are a lot of concerns that come up that I think are are, are challenges toward this type of, of mindset. And even if we're able to adopt this mindset, it doesn't mean those challenges will go away. You know, your mind will continually remind you of, hey, you, you know, this, today's a, you got to win today. Your team's counting on you or such and such is, is supposed to happen. There are these expectations. And so, As great of a mindset as this is, and I'm fully, I fully endorse doing this in our training and in our, in our playing. Um, it takes some practice to be able to deal with the, the thoughts of the ego. And as we talked about in our episode on the most important version of you to stop focusing on who you are and trying to defend that. And put more emphasis on who you're becoming. In other words, making learning your top priority, not winning. Um, not that winning isn't important, right? But if learning is more important, you, you'll you'll naturally generate more wins over time. And this concept, which you you know you 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 brought up, Josh, about from the inner game of tennis and. Zen and the art of archery, you know, really does go back to some Zen, Zen principles. So I, I found a good quote to, to, uh, to describe the beginner's mind. Um, it comes from a, a Zen Buddhism concept called Shoshin, and, uh, which is described as having an attitude of openness, eagerness, and lack of preconceptions when studying a subject, even when studying at an advanced level, just as a beginner in that subject would. And when we think about one of our, you know, primary psychological skills that we're trying to satisfy, it is that of being a master of something, being competent. And so we're actually seeing part of the, maybe the true path to mastery is being willing to be that student, to be willing to be the beginner and make mistakes and look silly at times, right? Um, But once you put yourself there, I think you open up yourself to many other possibilities, the possibilities of just sort of playing with it more rather than worrying about how it looks and um, and what it says about you. So I think that this is a great, great concept. Um, There's a lot of it, of course, in in Buddhism or Zen Buddhism. Um, So there are many places one can read about this um, but i'd like to hear more josh from you and maybe what you got out of the zen and the art of archery or or other aspects of uh, beginner's mind if you even applied in your own practice
1: yeah it's a it's a good question i mean i think um as it relates to that book and you know some some of the applications to to my practice and to you know sports psychology um, in general, uh, there's a number of them. I think this concept of beginner's mind uh, was definitely coming up a lot. I think, you know, not having too many expectations um, on our results, on our performances um, and being able to let go a little bit and trust that process. um, It was a big one. I think this concept of, um, you know, really um spending time with you know in this book there was the the person that he had learned from the that he was learning from who was really one of the um top ex he was in japan and one of the top experts in archery there and really trying to listen to what the master was saying and not you know not bringing his own sort of level of expertise into things i think he was a professor um and so you know i think as adults, it can be easy for us to sort of approach things with this attitude that we know best. And we know how to do this. And even if I'm a beginner at something, I have all this other experience that I'm bringing to it. Therefore, I, you know, this should be easy. And maybe for a lot of people, I think due to that attitude, it makes it harder to to be a beginner at something because it's uncomfortable. We don't feel like we know what we're doing. We might feel lost. And I've had this experience. um, I I could think over the last couple of years um, as it's related to language learning. Um, I've been in the process of learning, learning Spanish, which is um, a challenging process to say the least. I also did a little bit of um, surfing and surfing lessons and learning and which is something I'm, I'm, A lot earlier in the uh, learning process, with but but also the type of thing that will make you feel like a beginner quite quickly, uh, especially if you if you don't have a lot of experience. I think until you get to that point where you feel like you you know what you're doing more, you know you know what you're doing more, um, very easy to feel like you don't you you know you you pretty much know nothing with it. Um, But I think going back to the book, it. You know, it, it's about sort of surrendering or, or letting go or, and really just trusting that process, really trying to be fully immersed in the activity. Um, and, you know, that that's definitely a concept that we've talked about, um, you know, that, that sense of immersion, that sense of, you know, fully being um, present in an activity, not thinking about the results of uh, what might happen in, you know, in a particular moment. in a particular performance. So, you know, we're, we're in a match and we're not thinking about what's the outcome going to be. Am I going to win this? How is this going to impact my ranking or my UTR rating? Who am I going to play in the next match after I win this? But I'm really trying to be fully immersed in this moment, which also means we're not looking back to the past constantly. And, you know, looking back to the past is often about mistakes or about, um, you know situations that we're not happy with, right? Maybe it's a shot that we missed. Maybe we double faulted. Maybe somebody made a line call that we disagree with. I think just about everyone who's ever stepped on a competitive tennis court has experienced that at some point. Um, but really trying to be fully immersed in this moment and being here and, you know, and then from that, um, I think it makes some of the specific tools and tactics a little bit easier. For instance, you know, being fully relaxed, you know, letting go in that way, you know, he talks about, and I'm sure I won't be using all of the um, terminology correctly here, but um i'll I'll try to stumble through it a little bit. Um, when when the archer takes takes back the with the bow, sort of pulls back the string, um, sort of holding it holding it until that that last you know until it reaches its highest point of tension and then the bow sort of or, and then the the shot sort of being fired by itself um and and of course you know that you have to sort of buy into this idea because it is especially for people with maybe more of a western perspective you know western background education it, it really is a very different way of of seeing things but sort of surrendering and letting go to that and having trust that that's, you know, that that, that is the right path forward. Um, and I think, you know, as it, to the sort of the, the second part of your question, Brian, as it relates to the, um, how how this applies to my practice and sports psychology broadly, I think there's a lot of applications. I think, um, you know, one way that I've Used the book The Inner Game of Tennis, which I know we've talked about, and I've used that with tennis players and, and other tennis play- and, and other athletes outside of tennis. And sometimes when I've worked with other athletes, you know, I've 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 had them, you know, try to I've said, okay, this is I know this has tennis in its title, but it's it really is about a lot more than that. So you have to um, believe me for a second and and uh, and buy in, and and there's a lot of of good stuff here, um, but. When it comes to that book, you know some of the some of the things that I've um, tried to impart are just you know how we can use that sort of mentality to to really try to get out of our own head and not be constantly criticizing and judgmental of both things during practice and you know shots in or out and our results and how we can be more non judgmental try to see things more as they actually are in each moment and. Um, and you know, not have this constant judging of good or bad, but instead try to um yeah try, try to just be fully immersed, like like they talk about um in this book and I think also you know there was there was a moment where um the the student was you know hit a hit an amazing shot and you know didn't get necessarily the the positive feedback that he was looking for and then another moment where it it was sort of an ordinary looking shot and uh the master said that you know that's that was that was right or that was you know you're you're doing that in the right sort of a way so trying to really buy into to doing things in the, the kind of way that you know is is correct or is is more fruitful rather than constantly looking for our results so so focusing more on the learning process, focusing more on developing our game rather than constantly having this thing in the back of our mind yes that's that's important, but I need to win or right? I need to increase my rating, but really trying to focus on that learning process and that development as much as we as we possibly can
0: yeah it is uh it is an important part because I think as we were saying earlier it's it's probably the true path to, to mastering something. Um, and the biggest challenge we have is ourselves and throwing up our own self-limiting roadblocks along the way. And, and, you know, and how do we get, get through that? And I think beginner's mind is, is one way, um, maybe a related concept to that I think is the idea of being humble or humility. Um, an aspect of the fighter's mind and a couple of the chapters in there really brought out the, the concept of to be truly great, you must be humble. And I've talked about this. I talk about this more with the athletes I work with who are much more advanced, higher level, right? So from a tennis perspective, you know, 12 plus UTR. Um, because for them, The idea of being, you know, humble is really, really important because if they wanted to rest on their laurels, they, they could, but that would then limit and cap their ability to become masters of this. And the reason that humility is so important, especially at that level is in order for them to learn more, they have to be willing to, um, to listen to others to, accept the teachings of a coach, that they, they want to be great more than they want to just be who they are right now, because you know, 13, 12, 13 UTR plus, that's fantastic level. Um, an amazing number of, uh, you know, a very small number of people have reached that level at any given time. And by being humble, you can say, yes, please teach me. I want to learn more. I have not finished my journey. I'm becoming the best I can become. You know, today's rating is just today's rating. It doesn't mean it has to be uh, anything beyond that. So I think that that's really uh, an important part of being a beginner is being humble enough to say, "Yes, please teach me. I want to learn what you know." And because it's it's important to me that I become the best. Um, and outside of tennis, you know, I think one of the more famous examples of someone who was very willing to do that, it was Kobe Bryant, um, you know, basketball player. You know, when he was young in the NBA, he was famous for asking people all kinds of questions in a very um, kind of student master way, just wanting to know how things really worked or how you did that. Because um, his stated desire was always to be the best basketball player he could be, or even maybe the greatest basketball player of all time. That's not as much in control, but, you know, he wanted to be the best. And a big part of that was asking questions and trying to learn from as many people as he could. Um, and you can then see how that blossomed into to a, a very good career, great, great career. So I think that this is an important concept that uh, – you know, we don't always see. So some years ago, I was doing a talk at a tennis academy and our topic was the in-between point routine or in-between points routine. And so I, you know, I had a group, maybe they're about anywhere between 10 and 14 years old. And I asked, you know, for, hey, what do you guys know about, you know, a routine between points? And there was one young man who raised his hand and he started talking about Jim Lair's 16-second cure. And he knew it, Josh. He knew the phases, you know, the physical response, the relaxation, the preparation, the ritual part, right? And I said, oh, that's great. You know this. Um, do you do it on the court? It's like, no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> I don't do it. I don't need that. You know, and it was almost like, you know, this sort of – and he was a very good player, very highly ranked, but it was – it was almost like that got in the way. Like, that's for other people. That's not not for me. Um, And I just just always found that fascinating, that, that one exchange with the student that, yeah, he knew it, but he wasn't willing actually to go to the next level and take that information and act on it and turn it into transformation. There was something blocking him from taking information that he had consumed and turning it into an experience. And I think a lot of us go through that. You know, we may read books. We may watch videos. But then when, the, you know, when it comes to the time to actually do it, can we? Can we be humble enough? Can we be willing to look stupid, making mistakes, et cetera, um, to take that, that learning to the next level? So um, that is just something that's always stuck with me. And, uh, and, I, and I think that this, it's just such an important concept to be humble. And if you look at even the best coaches, the best athletes, they come to a realization that the more you know, the more you realize how much you don't know. And I don't know at which point that occurs, Josh, if there's like some sort of tipping point where that clicks in. Um, But I think the more that we can help people realize that, um, that this piece of maybe having hubris or arrogance or know it all is, is really some sort of protection device most likely about not wanting to look bad or or thinking too much about who you are in the moment.
1: Totally, totally. I think in order to buy into that sort of a philosophy or to you know really try to embody it, um, there's a lot of unlearning that has to take place because we have been sort of trained in our society to. Um, really prioritize results and that being sort of a show of what our worth is. And, you know, us saying, okay, when when we play tennis, um, that's great. You know, it's great that you're trying to be the best player that you can be, but how about, you know, wanting to play in college or how about a college scholarship or how about, okay, you're you're a 3.0 right now. Um, How about, playing for this team or how about you know eventually playing for a 3.5 or a 4.0 team and you know i think that oftentimes th- those are the sorts of things that get pe- you know get people to a point where instead of prioritizing that learning process they're prioritizing the results and then they start having expectations for the results and you know these sorts of things get in the get in the way of learning in maybe a more a more natural way and and also what what gets lost in that process oftentimes is the enjoyment piece the fun the playfulness the enjoying of the game right it's tennis is a sport but it's it's a game as well and you know most people if you ask them why they started playing what what drew them to it originally it was fun it was fun it was enjoyment they they liked being out there and for a lot of people as they start playing more competitively um that the reasons for why they play shift and i think can we get back to that point of you know of us playing because it's fun because it's enjoyable and try to embody this sort of learning process as well and the sort of the the understanding that it is a leap of faith to get to that point but also the, the the paradox i think that 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 is maybe not always true, but, but generally true is that the less that we focus on our results, the, the, the less that we focus on and fixate on winning and results and, you know, UTR ratings and, and that sort of thing, um, the the better that we tend to do. Um, you know, we tend to actually play better and have better results by, um, by letting go of, of a lot of these expectations and, um, you know, these sort of, Original ways that that we uh, saw the world or saw saw our tennis games. Um, you know, the more that we can let go of that, the more that we can play freely, right? I think, um, you know, we for I'm sure a lot of our listeners are have been following the Australian Open, um, and you know, maybe we'll we'll talk about this when we recap it. But one moment in particular that stood out to me was an interview with Ben Shelton. Um, who has been playing really well. When, as we're recording this, he has gotten to the quarterfinals. Um, and less than a year ago, he was outside of the top 500. He was playing college tennis. He had a lot of success in college tennis. Um, but he was outside of the top 500. And now he's in the Grand Slam quarterfinals. Regardless of how he ends up doing, we'll, we'll make it to the top 50 after this. But he he said an interesting point that sort of because of – you know, because he hasn't been in the pro tour as long, because maybe he he doesn't have the same expectations on him, he's able to play freely. And the result of that is, um, you know, number one, not being afraid to miss in that same way that I think a lot of people are. Um, I think less physical and mental tension. You know, a lot of people talk about playing tight, feeling tight when they're out there. I think if we can get to a point where we're playing freely and we're not so worried about our results and we're not, we don't have these expectations that we need to win right now. We're able to let go a little bit and play more freely. And then the results, the results end up coming that way. But it, it is that leap of faith to, to believe in that and to, and to trust that and to say, okay, I'm, I'm playing this big match. you know, I'm playing this match against a friend that I really want to win, or it's this tournament and I really want to win. And rather than me taking that, competitiveness about okay I I'm trying to to win this match rather than that turning into okay in the middle of the match now I'm going to be focused on that or going into the match I'm going to be focused on winning it but instead focusing on what needs to be done what does my game plan need to look like what does my you know does my game plan make sense where I'm trying to you know, really maximize my strengths to my opponent's weaknesses? What does my footwork need to look like? What does my attitude need to look like? What does my preparation leading up to it need to look like? Um, but starting there at that point of, um, you know, rather than the result itself, trying to play at our best and trying to bring out that level of excellence is is really helpful to be playing in that more free, free way where we can you know hopefully get to that point where we're fully immersed in an activity and it gives us a better chance to be at our best this concept of flow that we've talked about that many people have experienced in tennis or in some other area of life is a big piece of that is really this full that full immersion piece you know being fully engaged in an activity not thinking in the moment about the result itself. Um, and that leading to some of the some of these aspects of of this concept of flow, that sort of loss of time, that not overthinking, um that you know, really fully being here in the moment, um, and not being distracted by whatever else is going on around you not distracted by the future and what might happen, not thinking too much about the past or not thinking about the past, but really being present and really being here. And I think this, this book certainly made me think about that, but I think that there's a lot of training that can be done, um, you know, mental training, whether it's meditation, whether it's mindfulness. I think there's a lot of areas that help us gain more, help us spend more time in the present moment and increase our chances of finding that flow state and, and playing f- more freely and ultimately playing better. I'm glad
0: you brought up Ben Shelton. I think uh, just as an aside, he's someone that listeners should put on their radar. Um, I've had, I've been lucky. I've actually seen Ben play several times over the last couple of years, just by chance uh, was in Florida uh, a couple of years ago and he was playing the qualifying for uh, a 25 K ITF. and um, was very impressed. This was right after his freshman year at Florida. You know, and, and he's, he's got a very complete game. He's also left-handed. His serve is getting bigger. Um, and as you said, Josh, I had seen some of those quotes as well, right? He's not feeling the expectations that others have felt. You know, currently he's ranked 89. And I was actually shocked that he'd been that high. I saw him this past summer um, playing an ATP Challenger event in Orlando and I've seen him play several college matches. And the challenge for all of us when we get to a level of success, and this is what something that Ben will have to probably deal with, is when he gets into that top 50, does that concept of no expectations change? And how will he deal with that? Um, and can he continue to frame it in the right way so that his growth can continue. uh, Because physically, he has the tools to play. Big serve, big forehand, nice two-handed backhand, moves pretty well around the court. He's tall, and he has a great uh, intensity and desire to win. Of course, his father is a former professional player, Uh, Brian Shelton, also the coach at uh, the University of Florida, where, where Ben Played uh, his first two years. Um, and you know, so there's some help with that as well, right? Having someone who uh, is very calm about the process and so forth, and he's in good hands uh, you know, with his current coaching team. But all of us, once we, if you buy into the beginner's mindset and you experience you know, lots of learning, and then, as you said, Josh, it'll drive some of the, the outside external results. All right, how do you process that now, now that you have had that bump? And the, the challenge will be, can I maintain this more beginner's mindset? Can I maintain this humility that I need to keep going on the path? Uh, because it's it's almost like you're, you're walking a path toward mastery and something happens and, it's, and an obstacle just shoots up right in front of you. Now you got to deal with it and you can't just avoid it. You got to be able to think through it, go through it, and let that make you stronger for the next one that will, that will come up. And, I, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how Ben handles that because I, I, I don't know him. I've never met him. I have watched him a lot, you know, live and on, on um, you know, streaming. And I am impressed by his ability to play and compete. And I, I believe he has a very good mentality for the game. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does. Um, and uh, but I think that's the next challenge for him is, yeah, he'll get into the top 50. And then how does he feel about that? right? Um, but as I said, it's uh, people, if they haven't seen Ben Shelton play yet, he's someone certainly to tune in and and, uh, and watch a little bit more. As you said, we're recording this at the time where he's going to be playing, I think, Tommy Paul in the in the quarterfinals. So, um, yeah, we'll see how he does.
1: Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I wanted to actually go back to something that you said a little bit earlier where you brought up Kobe Bryant and how his mentality of constantly trying to get better and constantly working on his craft, helped him be the, the player that he, that he was. Um, and, you know, there's, there's sort of, Apocryphal stories of him, and, and and you know, and stories that that I'm sure are are very true of him. You know, being in the gym and all hours of the night, and four, and 30 the being, morning, uh, midnight, four thirty in the yeah. morning, four thirty in the morning, exactly. And uh, you know, other players on the team were were partying or they were at the club or they were going out to dinner, and he was very focused and very driven on his craft and practicing and putting in those hours and, um, and then, you know, always trying to learn. And I think another person, another top player um, in in tennis who um, I've, I've heard has been the same uh, is Serena Williams. Serena Williams I've heard um, in terms of, you know, trying to, at least there being a period of time where she was always trying to really learn, always trying to, you know, approach conversations with people, feeling like she had something to learn from whoever she was talking to. I remember hearing an interview with Patrick Moritoglu, who coached her for many years. And he talked about when she came to his academy. And I don't think she had a coach at the time. And she was just training there um, for, you know, a short short amount of time and was was asking, you know, different different people there, you know, Oh, do you think I should do this? Do you think I should do that? And again, at the time she had had, she'd won many grand slams. You know, she'd been certainly at the top of the game. Um, But just that, that openness, regardless of your level to feel like you can learn something from any sort of situation and being open to that. Right. I think without opening ourselves up to that, it's tough to really learn and benefit from different situations that we have, different people that we interact with. You know, I think trying to approach things like I have something to learn from everybody. And, you know, each conversation, each day of training is really an opportunity for that rather than going in saying, okay, I've won all these grand slams. I'm one of the best players in the world. You know, what does this coach have to, have to teach me? Right. Um, and I think, you know, I think we can look at other sports. You know, I think somebody like Tom Brady, right, uh, is certainly an example of dedicating himself to his craft, certainly an example of someone who's tried to learn um, at, at every, you know, in every area, you know, he's put out a lot of content about his mindset, his diet, his nutrition, his, um, you know, the the way that he trains his body physically in terms of pliability, um, and, you know, I think we can see other examples in, in tennis as well, you know, whether it's, um, you know, Djokovic, for instance, I think with his, the way that he has really transformed his diet, his body, you know, is is certainly an example. I think there's a, a number of examples, you know, throughout sport, but I think what what is uniform here is that, you know, true dedication to the craft. Um and trying to get better, trying to really maximize our abilities and does that lead to results and trophies and being number 1 and being the best? Yes, certainly. But that for for all of them or at least for most of them, that doesn't seem to be necessarily the mission. The mission seems to be to maximize their abilities to to be the best that they can be and along that pathway, they've they've they have found you know tremendous success um, but but it seems like that so you know the their mission their their goal has really been to continue learning continue growing continue being the best that they can be and we and we can see the results
0: it makes me think of uh, you know the famous american basketball coach john wooden and his definition of success it wasn't about winning and championships and things like that it was really about this self-satisfaction and peace of mind that you did everything you could to become the best you could become and i like to think of that as uh trying to minimize your regrets as you go along and i think when we look at you know with serena um obviously federer nadal djokovic you know, will they be able to look back on their own careers once they've stopped playing, a couple of them have, obviously, Um, and feel that peace of mind that they did everything they could, Um, you know, that they did it the right way, that they're satisfied that they wouldn't necessarily go back and change what they did. Uh, Because obviously, whatever they did created who they were. Um, And I think we can all all approach it our own careers, whatever it is, even, you know, many of us are not professional tennis players. We have other things, you know. Josh, you and I are sports psychology professionals. We can approach this the same way, right? Take a beginner's mindset approach to that, and then you know, can we can we feel like we're 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 going for it? We're trying to do this without regret. We're doing everything we can to become the best that we can become, um, and knowing that the outside results are simply byproducts of us going deeper into into that. Um, so I think that's, is a, that's actually something that's even helped me just in the sports psychology piece, Josh. You know, when I first started my doctorate program a few years ago, you know, they wanted me to take uh, like intro to sports psychology again. And I was like, oh, I've already done that. <laughs> I was like, I already have my master's in this and so I'm going to do this again and but then I was like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. You might learn something new. It's a different professor and, and whatever. And uh, so just stop, you know, get, letting your ego get in the way here and take the class. So I was super glad I did because this guy taught it from a completely different perspective, different textbooks, um, different exercises. So I was like, this is great, you know? Yeah, I knew a lot of this stuff, of course, but that actually helped me like, take what I knew <clears throat> and push it further, you know? Um, and so I think we all have moments where, again, we're presented with the ego and I know this and that and, and it's like, you know, so I had to have that own conversation with myself. It's like, all right. And that it was a great course. I really enjoyed what the, the professor did and uh, some of the exercises that I learned in that second time taking Intro to sports psychology are things I still use today, you know. So um, I think if we can turn this more into um, looking back on whatever it is you do and being satisfied the way you did it. Did you minimize regrets? There's always going to be a few maybe regrets along the way. You know, I know with my own tennis career, I have that, but I've tried to minimize. I've tried to change that, correct that, and, and do more things uh, that can help me be, be a better player. Um, so yeah, it makes me think of the, the John Wooden piece and maybe he's more in my mind, Josh, because I'm, now I'm, I'm reading uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's book, uh, Coach Wooden and Me, about their 50-year uh, relationship. And one, this is a little off topic, but one interesting aspect of, of Coach Wooden is he got his idea of focusing on the process and not results from a poem that you brought up in one of our previous episodes, Rudyard Kipling's If. And there are four stanzas in there uh, and Triumph and Disaster being, being part of it. So um, for those who don't know who John Wooden is, he's certainly a person worthy of studying um, because he saw himself not as a basketball coach, he saw himself as a teacher. And uh, he actually was an English teacher for many years, uh, but he, he taught basketball. That's how he phrased it. He did not coach it, he taught it. And I think that's even part of this beginner's mindset stuff is we have a teacher and we have a student. Are we willing to be the student in this process here? Not just the player. No, you're a student. You want to be able to sit at the, you know, at the, you know, at the feet of a master. And be willing to learn and soak all that in, and that's kind of what your Serena Williams story tells me is that she was willing to kind of just sit and listen and and see what she could get. And I think you do find many people who are very good at their fields; they're very good listeners. They wanna they wanna learn from you. Um, the former um, men's tennis coach at Harvard, names Dave Fish, he happens to live in the same town as me. He's like an unbelievable listener and wanting to know what you know. He's not the kind of guy who just like will preach at you and talk at you and so forth. And he's helped so many coaches uh, by being that way. But he, I think, would say himself, he has learned from so many other coaches, no matter what age or level of experience. And uh, I think just having even that kind of perspective in life is can I, can I listen more? Can I try to learn from this person, regardless of their their age or their expertise or or whatever?
1: Absolutely, I think it's that it's that openness to to that experience, to that new learning from you know whatever the context is that that really makes that that possible. Um, yeah, I, I think you know when it comes to John Wooden, one of the things that also made him stand out as he was yeah, he was so focused on the process he wouldn't bring up winning to people on his on his teams, but what were the results right he he would win time after time after time after time so I, I think it shows that you know letting go of of you know letting go our control of of our results ends up actually working out a lot better right I, I feel like sometimes both in the micro and in the macro people almost micromanage their results right you're you're playing and rather than being able to keep your eye on the ball you look up at the other side of the court and in that split second your you know your 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 thoughts go from being in the present to i need to watch the ball to where is the ball going where is my opponent what do i need to you know what what am i going to have to do after this shot Right, so you're focusing on the future. So that that would be an example of you know, in something in the micro, something in the micro happening, sort of like a a, a detail, um, but also long term, right? I think you know many people don't have that sort of faith that you know what they're doing on a daily basis leads to results, leads to the results that they desire. So because of that they're so consumed and focused by it rather than being able to let go and focus on learning and focus on development, focus on getting that 1% better every time they're out there. Instead, they're focused on focusing on winning right now. And I, I see that, I've seen that, you know, when I was coaching on court um, during practice, right? And this is at different levels, but people so focused on winning practice games. Maybe it's a point game to 11 or 15 or 21 or a practice set and winning now at the expense of their future, right? So, maybe they're trying to develop a certain shot and in order to develop that shot, they've gotten to that point where they need to practice it and they need to trust it and they need to utilize it when they're playing. But in a high pressure moment, they, they choose to go back to what they know. They choose to go back to maybe their old playing style or that old stroke that they were using in the past. And maybe they end up winning, right? Maybe they end up winning that match. Maybe they end up losing that match or that, you know, point game to 15, but it ends up holding back their development because they're so focused on getting the result right now, rather than believing and knowing that by letting go of that, it they'll end up actually, you know, with, with a lot more success down the road because their game would for, would would have further developed so i think it you know we can we we see this type of stuff all the time and i think it it really is that process of unlearning because i think you know we have expectations on ourselves and people around us do too right and and people will ask about your results and you know in in many ways results can be seen as sort of a a yardstick for who we are or, you know, what, what have we done? What have we accomplished? And I think a lot of people, you know, think of things that way. So I think it it is that matter of letting go a little bit of that and saying, Hey, this, you know, by buying into this, um, you know, it, it ultimately leads me to continuing to become better and better and better rather than sort of taking the win now and sacrificing the future. I think one way you can also
0: foster the beginner's mind on the court is understanding, say, a progression of complexity in your tennis. So what I mean by that is, let's say, Josh, you know, you and I are coaching a group and we want to teach them how to breathe and watch the ball better. So we might start off with mini tennis. Um, And that's a great place to start because the tennis is pretty rudimentary. It's pretty simple there. You don't have to give a lot of thought to that. And so you can focus more on the breathing and how to watch the ball, all right? Then we move them back a little bit. And the tennis becomes a little bit more complex now because of the distance. Maybe we're bringing more full strokes in, we're hitting a little bit more. Um, and so the ability to stay focused on the learning aspect of breathing and watching the ball may be a little bit more difficult, but, right? And the other things might be coming into mind. Then we go back to the baseline. Again, we've increased complexity with even further distance. We still might be able to do it because we're just drilling and we're staying focused. But now we add in a game, a baseline game. And th- this is exactly what you're talking about. All right, can I stick with the learning plan of we're working on breathing and watching the ball, but now there's a game at stake, right? And so that's the challenge. And so and it's understandable, but If you can train yourself on the beginner's mindset, knowing that there are progressions of taking this and challenging yourself to be in that mode, you'll get better and better at it. Uh, But it's very hard to say, all right, yeah, I'm going to be a beginner in a lesson. Hey, go play a tournament. (laughs) And uh, it's very likely you won't be able to do it there. So you want to go through a, a series of progressions of putting yourself in more complex and challenging environments and then trying to be that beginner in that environment and working through it and really uh, prioritizing the learning of that situation and knowing, all right, if I master this level of complexity, I can take it to the next one and then the next one. And then, then the results will certainly begin to flow hopefully the way that, that you want to. But um, I think beginner's mindset needs, uh, it needs its own progression so that you become comfortable with it and And you can make the choice to go there more quickly, which is a big part of um you know why we do mindfulness or it's it's just something that we always have to do is can we direct our attention to what's important now so it's a good it's a good good challenge in that way. One last thing I wanted to bring up, Josh, because we're we're really talking about the idea of learning and one of my favorite books for uh, learning, it's really, I don't know if it's really autobiographical. It kind of is, but it's uh, the book by Richard Feynman. He's a famous physicist in the United States. And he has uh, this book called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman, which is a quote you'll find in the book. It's very funny. And the guy's life is so fascinating, at what he did. And, but teaching and learning are like the main themes throughout the book. And he has this process or this thought, if like, if you want to master something, teach it. So even as you're putting yourself in the beginner's mindset and you're learning something, if you went into that lesson with the idea that you're going to be asked to teach it later, you'll probably learn it better. And uh, I think... You know, like we were talking about earlier, Josh, like our coaching careers and our sports psychology careers, by teaching these things and talking about them has really deepened our knowledge uh, in several areas because we're, we're talking about it a lot. We're learning how to explain it better. We're, we're seeing how people react to the material um, and, and so forth. So that's something I think would be useful for people to keep in mind is, all right, Somebody's teaching you a new thing about the forehand. Um, As a coach, I might ask, "Okay, teach me the forehand. Teach me what you just learned, and and see how you do." And very often, you know, it'll be difficult to articulate it at first or show it. um, But the more you do it, the better you'll get at that, and and of course, you'll master that over time.
1: Totally, totally, and and maybe we could even take it a step further. That if if somebody can't articulate something you know if if somebody's learned something but maybe they can't explain it back or they can't teach it to somebody else how well do they really know it that's right right you know i think i think it was albert einstein that said you know you want to be able to if you really understand something you could explain it to a five-year-old right do you in, in order to understand something especially something complex especially something difficult um it's a matter of sort of distilling it and simplifying it. And you know it's not a matter of to me, it's not a matter of explaining it like as if you're reading from a textbook. um, you want to be able to explain it so that people can understand it so that it's widely um, accessible. Um, so I think you know, I, I think there's a lot of truth and wisdom there, and I, and I can I can say in my own life, you know i once I started coaching and I started coaching starting right after my freshman year of college, that summer between my freshman and sophomore years. Um, but I think that that definitely helped my game and, and you know, me working with players of all levels, right? It might be adults from whatever, 2.5 up to 5.0 or kids, you know, starting at age three and four that I would work with up through, you know. Middle school, high school, playing tournaments, all that. But I think in each of those contexts, there's it, it challenges you because you have to um, certainly you know teach in a different way or maybe express some of the same ideas just to a, a very different audience, right? Whether you're working with one person, whether you're working with a group, or you know you're you're working with that three-year-old, three or four-year-old, or you're working with the Whatever, thirty-five year old, um, you're going to be saying things in a in a different way. But you know, are you do understand the forehand well enough? Do you understand the serve well enough? Do you understand the mental game well enough to teach it and to explain it and to um, just you know, let's say you have thirty minutes with somebody, let's say you have an hour with somebody, do you understand it well enough? Are you prepared well enough to Make sure that they'll get something out of that that time and benefit from that time rather than things going over their head. right? I think it can be very easy for a teacher and and a, and you know a, a teacher's what what they're trying to get across to to go right over somebody's head. and you know, it's it's happened to to me. i've I think I've probably been on both sides of that. um but I think by really, you know continuing to learn more continuing to really be a master and then um you know that that is how it becomes a lot easier to simplify and to distill and to really break something down into its essence and then be able to um teach somebody through that, right? I think, you know, we don't want to, and I've, I've certainly fallen into this trap both coaching tennis, but, you know, and also sports psychology as somebody who is, you know, the coach or the teacher or the instructor trying to almost give somebody everything that, you know, or trying to tell them everything that, you know, in a, in a very short amount of time, um, which may, you know, which comes from a good place because you're trying to help them. And in, in, again, that limited amount of time that you have, but, I think a large portion of that, or maybe all of that ends up going right over somebody's head and is not understood. Um, So instead, can we focus on one thing? Like, and again, going back to this book, they start the, you know, the, the entire learning process by just about talking about drawing the bow. And just in terms of, you know, bringing the, bringing it back and, you know, sort of that step one of the of the archery process rather than okay this is archery this is the target these are all the different steps but no can we really focus on that first piece and try to master that and then you know continue from there rather than then being in that stage focusing on okay you know this is where i am right now how do i get to a point where i'm among the best archers in the world what does that look like what what events do i have to participate in no let's focus let's stay present enough to focus on what we're doing right now.
0: Your, uh, your little story there reminded me, again, dating myself here, but an 80s movie, The Karate Kid, and Mr. Miyagi, you know, wax on, wax off, and, you know, Daniel, uh, the one learning, who wanted to learn uh, karate, was being asked to do all these household chores in which he was doing this or this, right, and he didn't understand, like, why am I going to actually learn? Something, but he had been learning these little things all along the way that he had mastered, right? So maybe, maybe think of that. So it's pretty cool. Um, So, any last
1: thoughts, Josh, on on this topic? Um, I mean, I think you know, the the maybe the last point that I would add is you know recognizing that this is a process. That this is certainly a process. Again, that, that most people, especially in maybe Western societies don't, don't view things this way. And that's okay. and That's re- reality, but it is a process of getting to the point where you are now and maybe focusing on the results and wanting to win now and wanting, you know, those, those, some of the external things as soon as possible to getting to that point where we can maybe take a step back, and go back to that learning, right? And I think, you know, a lot of us, especially if we've been playing tennis for a long time, um, whether you're a junior player, whether you're an adult player, if you've been playing for a long time, it can become easy to sort of feel like we we understand this pretty well, right? Even if we're not the best, you know, the best players in the world, we've been doing this for a long time. We We know what works for us and we bring that to matches and practice and learning. Um, but being able to take a step back and knowing, okay, we do have something we can learn in each situation. And in order to do that, I need to put on that beginner's hat. And I need to, you know, sort of embody this 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 concept that we're talking about and and really buy into it and say, okay, I need to to, you know, what how would a beginner be? Um, in this situation, how would they be handling this? How would they be handling what they're learning right now? How would they be handling this feedback that they're getting from this tennis lesson or from this match that they just played, right? Let's say, you know, you can, if you play in a match, you can, you can imagine that that was the first match that you ever played. In. And this is all the feedback that you got from that experience. Okay. Um you know what what happened strategically, t- you know tactically in the match? What happened with your strokes? Did they break down? Did they um did they not? Were you loose? Were you tight with them? And starting to view information also through this same lens, like as if you weren't coming at it with ten years of tennis experience, let's just say. But instead, you were looking at something for the first time and looking at the at the details maybe in the way that a beginner would. and viewing, you know, learning and viewing these situations as somebody who's not coming at it with these years of experience and these preconceived notions and, and this background, but instead, you know, viewing it for the first time.
0: Yeah. Through fresh eyes and perhaps, you know, more friendly eyes, more kindness, more compassion with the, with that process will probably lead to, to better learning. So yeah, it's really great topic. Great, great discussion, Josh. Um, uh, for more on today's episode, you know, please check out the show notes. Thank you for listening, of course. If you have any feedback or questions for me and Josh, please email us at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag, tennisiq. Additionally, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. You can also check us out on Instagram. If you would like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash tennis IQ slash membership. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.